Welcome to On the Middle East, our Monitor's weekly podcast on the big stories of the day. My name is Ambrin Zaman, and I'm a roving staff correspondent for Al Monitor based in London. Today, we'll be looking at the drama unfolding in Iran following the brutal murder by the regime's so-called morality police of 22-year-old Masa Imani. Her death in police custody sparked nationwide protests that are continuing and posing one of the biggest challenges to Iran's clerical regime in decades. Masa's crime was to have revealed too much hair from under her mandatory head covering or the hijab. The regime has responded with violence and at least 50 people have been reportedly killed since the demonstrations began more than a week ago. Many people say that the actual death toll is far higher. With us here today to discuss these developments is Aso Hassanzadeh, an Iranian Kurdish academic and former Deputy Secretary General of the Kurdistan Democratic Party of Iran, one of the main Kurdish opposition groups in the country. Mahsa Imani was from Iranian Kurdistan, a region that has faced even greater repression from Iran's clerical regime, stemming from Kurdish demands for greater political and cultural autonomy. So welcome to our program, Aso. Thank you, Amberin, for having me. So the protests are continuing in Iran with the government cracking down very violently. Um, what is the latest? What are you hearing from your own sources? Because we do have very sketchy information, given that the authorities are now trying to block the internet and social uh, messaging apps. Well, the latest is that despite the threats made by uh, Iranian officials and the fact that uh, they seem to step up in the resorting to violence against protesters, you know, the death toll uh, is uh, uh, increasing uh, uh, every day, especially in Kurdistan, where we have uh, uh, more than half of the uh, total number of uh, people dead uh, in Iran. Uh, but the movement of protestation and uh, I would say even the uprising continue even in a stronger manner. And uh, we are absolutely in a, 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 a pre-revolutionary situation. A pre-revolutionary um, atmosphere is dominating Iran right now. How is this round of protests different from previous protests because we've seen this happen in Iran before. We saw it in 2009 when people took to the streets to protest the fraudulent election of uh, Ahmadinejad and then later, more recently in 2018 to protest the hike in fuel prices. How is this different and is it really of a truly threatening nature to the, to, to the regime because the regime seems to survive? Uh, well, what's happening uh, right now in Iran is um, at the same time not new and unprecedented. Not new because, as uh, you mentioned, uh, we've been seeing uh, such movements of protestation um, in the past few years, every two or three years or even every month. But but the, the peculiarity this time is that uh, while well, everything uh, started from the killing of a Kurdish woman in Tehran, and against all the restrictions imposed by the regime to the Iranian woman. But this time, uh, it seems that all uh, social categories of the Iranian so society are taking part in it. 
and uh, uh, all parts of Iran, actually, all components of uh, the Iranian society are joining the movement, and their demands um, are now uh, very general, very radical, and they are targeting uh, the whole regime. Uh, and uh, uh, now we are witnessing uh, some sort of a momentum of solidarity among all uh, Iranians. And uh, uh, the protesters uh, seem uh, to have uh, the upper hand in the streets. And uh, uh, given the international echo and the international uh, solidarity that we have been seeing um, so far, uh, the Iranians have the impression that this time uh, they are not alone. They're not alone, but they're leaderless. Uh, most of the political opposition of Iran is based outside the country. And I mean, when we say political opposition, a lot of them are very divided. Um, we have the monarchists who are based mainly uh, in the United States and then in Paris, but we also have uh, the Mujahideen Halb, which is sort of this cult-like organization that for decades uh, fought, uh, well, staged terrorist attacks uh, based out of Iraq, but are now in Albania. And then we have the Iranian Kurds, and you uh, were for long years part of the Iranian Kurdish uh, opposition, the Kurdistan Democratic Party of Iraq. Um, what role do you believe the Iranian Kurds have to play? How does the fact that Masa Amini is, or rather was Kurdish, play in all of this? Because the Kurds have been struggling for their political and cultural rights for decades in Iran and have really not gotten very far. Do you think this can be a sort of groundbreaking moment for them? Well, first of all, I would like to uh, uh, say that the, the those forces that you have just mentioned, that you just mentioned, uh, uh, are uh, the most visible in the uh, Iranian opposition, but the uh, the Iranian political spectrum uh, from the perspective of the opposition is much more diverse. But actually, uh, uh, the, the Iranian opposition, uh, uh, unfortunately, until now, is very much uh, uh, divided. They are very far from the realities uh, of uh, the Iranian society. Uh, uh, on the contrary, the uh, Kurdish political parties have a certain uh, uh, leverage on the population. They can mobilize the population. And the fact that uh, uh, the, the uh, killing uh, of Mahsa or Gina Amini, um, uh, she was uh, uh, a Iranian citizen, a woman, a Kurdish uh, woman who was killed in Tehran. So all this constitutes a link between uh, the uh, whole Iranian society that for the first time in, his, in the history of Iran is showing some sort of solidarity and understanding towards uh, uh, Kurdish demands. And uh, as... Uh, uh, what do you mean by that? How are they showing solidarity with Kurdish demands? What are they saying? Well, for example, the, the main slogan... Uh, women, life, liberty, uh, which is the the, uh, the most chanted in the Ir uh, Iranian cities, including in Tehran. It is a slogan that uh, is coming from uh, Rojava, from another part of Kurdistan. And uh, the Iranian um, uh, uh, celebrities, Iranian political parties, 
uh, and the, the whole Iranian and all protesters actually they are showing uh, uh, solidarity to the to the Kurds and right now uh, uh, important parts of the Iranian opposition are establishing contact with the uh, the center of coordination of the Iranian Kurdish political parties in order to set up a platform for uh, unite and to put together the efforts to continue the the rest of the the the, the protest and the struggle in order to to to, to lead it to a, a, a an outcome that would be in the interest of all the components of the Iranian society. Well, it's very interesting that you mentioned the slogan Jin Jian Azadi and the fact that it's been appropriated by the protesters because it's actually a slogan, as you said, that comes from uh, another Kurdish group, the Kurdistan Workers' Party, uh, which has been fighting the Turkish state since 1984 and which has branches in Syria in, and in Iran. And uh, many would argue that, in fact, it is that particular Kurdish group that is the most effective uh, inside Iran rather than uh, your groups. Uh, so isn't there a bit of an irony there? Well, the reality is that it's undeniable that the PKK is very well organized. They are uh, uh, visible on the ground, but it's part, in, uh, partly uh, due to the fact that the uh, Iranian regime tolerates them on the borders and they have good relations uh, with uh, the Iranian uh, regime. But I do not think that they have deep roots uh, uh, among the population. Um, and I think that their interference in other parts of uh, uh, Kurdish regions uh, causes more uh, harm than benefit. So what is the actual situation inside uh, Iranian Kurdistan at the moment? Uh, your party and its fighters are based outside in Iraqi Kurdistan. So what right. sort of activities do, can you actually engage in? And have you, as a result of these protests, uh, stepped up these activities? Well, as for the general situation or the background, uh, you know that the Kurds have been victim of policies of discrimination and repression since the beginning of the revolution. Kurds were the only part of Iran that boycotted the referendum that brought to power the clergy in Tehran. Then despite the fact that there were negotiations that took place, and uh, but very soon uh, war resumed and the uh, regime's army implemented uh, Khomeini's fatwa against Kurds. The Kurdish language uh, has always been banned in schools and in the public spheres, organizations, political organizations, but also associations are uh, uh, banned. Um, and uh, Kurdistan is the only part of Iran that has always been militarized and uh, where the political executions still take place. Um, uh, uh, and as for the activities of the uh, uh, Kurdish political parties, it's true that uh, with the creation of the KRG, um, uh, uh, they encounter more uh, uh, obstacles because of the uh, neighborhood with Iran, and they suspended their armed resistance since the mid-90s, but they have never been cut off from the population. They continued the fight through non-military means such as media. They have uh, uh, satellite TV channels and organizational activities, and the Peshmerga forces, some elements of them, for organiza organizational purposes have been always present inside Iran, Iran, and despite, despite all the obstacles that uh, 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 we are facing, 
uh, every month uh, uh, young Kurds cross the border to become Peshmerga. And uh, uh, I can uh, mention the fact uh, as an example of the leverage of those parties that, that after the missile attack on their headquarters uh, four years ago and after the uh, death of Masa Amini, the population responded very uh, positively and very actively to their call uh, to uh, observe a general strike. Yes, but as you said, uh, they've been attacking you, and in fact, they just attacked uh, you again, and does, inside the Kurdistan uh, region of Iraq. Uh, it doesn't that really pose a big challenge? The fact that uh, you are so constrained in your activities ultimately, because you are there as guests of the Kurdistan region of Iraq, and uh, they have made it very clear to you that you cannot organize any kind of um, hostile activity against the regime of Iran from their soil because this invites retaliatory measures from Iran as we've seen uh, quite frequently in fact this year so far Iran has been attacking uh, the KRG itself uh, its um, facilities it's it's in fact even hit uh, Erbil so Going forward, and what can you actually do? What kind of leverage power do you have? Well, the Iranian regime knows that the uh, uh, Iranian Kurdistan uh, is uh, truly the avant-garde of this uh, 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 new wave of protest, which could be um, uh, uh, crucial uh, for the fate of the Islamic Republic. And uh, knowing the solidarity that exists right now uh, among Iranians with Kurds, and the the, the leverage that uh, the uh, the Kurdish political parties can have on the Iranian uh, Kurdish population, uh, right now they are uh, beside all the killings and the arrests in Kurdistan. They are at the same time targeting uh, uh, the bases of Peshmerga forces on the borders right now in the uh, few past days and until now uh, it's uh, continuing uh, and the iranian regime tries to dive at the iranian public opinion and to but, to to, but to, to, I have to say to that say, i'm very skeptical when you speak about the solidarity with the kurds because persian nationalism is a very potent force in iran and so the idea that uh, these people would be sympathetic to the idea of granting autonomy, political autonomy to the Kurds, you know, overnight because of what happened, it, it does seem a bit far-fetched. I mean, the only example you've given me is the, the one of them using this Kurdish slogan. What other examples do we have of, you know, organized solidarity? I mean, are uh, non-Kurdish Iranian protesters putting out statements in support of Kurdish rights well uh, you know the one of the most important problems that Kurds are, of Iran are facing that is that their voice and the essence of their demands have not been heard until now by not, not, not only by the, uh, the, the the central government but also by the whole Iranian society and the, the Iranian uh, opposition but uh, I don't want to 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 show myself too enthusiastic uh, but um, I'm, I'm just saying that something is changing right now. Uh, uh, it's not only about slogans. You know, people uh, 
uh, in Tehran, we have many Kurds in Tehran and uh, we have uh, many regions uh, in Iranian Kurdistan where uh, uh, peoples from uh, Persian uh, and other nationalities are living together and uh, uh, they are uh, uh, together taking part in the demonstrations and there are some uh, uh, forms of uh, organization. Uh, of course, many statements from Iranian uh, political uh, leaders inside and outside the country uh, show that they, they, they are uh, ready to show a greater uh, uh, level of understanding towards Kurdish demands. But they uh, actually uh, mention the Kurds by name in their statements. Yes, absolutely. Something has changed. For example, I can tell you in the beginning, uh, the woman, the Kurdish woman killed uh, was only mentioned as Mahsa uh, under her uh, Persian name. But uh, we uh, notified them that her real name is the Kurdish name Gina. So they are using the name of Gina systematically. This is, uh, well, it's uh, symbolic, you know, about uh, this. And uh, again, I think uh, with all the invitations and the contacts that are, have been established towards us, I, I think something is uh, changing. But it does not mean that uh, they, they will, uh, 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 a fundamental change uh, has occurred yet about the Kurdish demands from the Iranian perspective. Uh, but right now, I think the priority of all Iranian uh, uh, opposition groups is uh, temporarily to, to put aside the differences in order to, 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 to keep this uh, momentum of solidarity keep on. Of course, uh, the role of the international community is paramount. And of course, we all know that the United States, for one, is not interested in regime change anymore. Um, and of course, we do hear some very harsh rhetoric now coming out of Washington, and they have imposed sanctions on the Iran's so-called morality police. And the Europeans are following suit. But I mean, beyond the rhetoric and the sanctions there, there is also this very uh great uh you know effort to try and revive the jcpoa and at the same time of course there's the whole business of uh energy and the fact that the war in ukraine has diminished energy supplies to europe in particular and of course that makes iran that much more important so given all of that uh, what are the prospects for real Western engagement intervention in helping keep up the momentum as you describe it? Aren't the Iranians, be they Kurdish, Baluchi or Azeri, ultimately pretty much on their own in this? Well, it's absolutely not in the interest of Iranian peoples that if uh, uh, any regime change uh, uh, happens, uh, that uh, it shouldn't come from outside, of course. The regime change uh, should be done uh, by the Iranian population and their uh, true representatives themselves. But we cannot deny the importance of the uh, international dimension. Um, uh, you know, the international echo in the media uh, of the what's happening right now in Iran as, and the uh, uh, reaction of politicians and uh, from Western countries and international organizations uh, are uh, much better than the previous waves of uh, protests. 
uh, but it's not enough, as you you said. Uh, well, also the danger is that they're just using that really to add pressure on Iran to be more flexible in the JCPOA talks. I mean, that sounds very cynical, but then we're living in a very cynical world. It's true. We know that the Western world is facing a, a an unprecedented uh, energy crisis. This is a, a, a serious challenge for the for the, 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 the what's coming next in Iran. Uh, but well, for the first time, uh, we have to notice that some uh, effective measures have been uh, taken. Uh, the uh, current administration in the United States is saying that they are not going to uh, repeat the mistakes of the Obama administration. The, the, uh, the, the supplying Iranians with uh, access uh, to internet is uh, 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 being made um, and uh, more sanctions, but it's not enough. Uh, we need uh, much more effective international measures in order to protect the civilians against the Iranian regime is uh, crackdown on protesters, but uh, we have to to see. I think the the tone and the rhetoric this time from the outside world is uh, has nothing to do with what we have been saying in uh, in the past. So it gives me some sort of hope. Uh, I think uh, between military intervention and uh, on one side and uh, uh, the statu quo. On the other side, there are many uh, available ways for the Western world's, world and the whole international community in order to, to rescue the Iranian population um, and to help it in its uh, uh, fight for freedom and democracy. Well, thank you very much, Aso. Uh, let's hope that you do get freedom and democracy in Iran uh, as soon as possible. Thank, thank you, you my pleasure. for joining us. I'm Elizabeth Hagedorn, and I'm the State Department correspondent at Al Monitor. And I'm Joe Snell. I'm Al Monitor's video editor. Let's admit it, this past year has been difficult to stay on top of the news and sift through what's accurate and what's misleading. Let Al Monitor help you. If you care about the Middle East and North Africa, you should consider listening to Al Monitor's audio series on the Middle East with Andrew Parasoliti and Amber and Zaman, and on Israel with Ben Caspi. You can now watch our newest video podcast, Reading the Middle East with Gilles Capel. You can subscribe to these series on your favorite podcast platforms. And through a host of free daily and weekly newsletters, we offer a range of perspectives with the highest journalistic standards. You can subscribe to these newsletters at almonitor.com. As an award-winning media service headquartered in Washington, D.C., Almonitor has a network of over 160 contributors around the world. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to visit almonitor.com, where you can find all of these newsletters and podcasts, along with first-class reporting and analysis. And this brings us to the end of this week's On the Middle East. Thank you for tuning in and hope to be with you again very soon.